Hi, it's Dana and Dr. Mary. How you doing? Um, hi, Mezzy. How are you doing? I'm I'm good actually. How are you? I know last week was tough for you, sir. Yeah, I'm How okay. How's it going? Um, this has been much more difficult than I anticipated because I didn't anticipate it at all. Um, I assumed that because things are so great now, I wouldn't have any sort of emotional trauma about going back into this. And that was a gross um, underestimation of, of this process. So it's been, it's been difficult. I will say that I have uh, started working on breathing techniques. I find myself waking up a lot in the middle of the night um, with kind of I, I, if you could see this, I'm putting anxiety into air quotes because I don't want to use that word lightly since there are people who actually suffer from real anxiety attacks. But I think that I am, there are a number of things going on in the, in our world, in our lives. Um, nothing bad, just a number of things going on. And so I think this is kind of manifesting itself in mild panic attacks for me. So I'm working hard on breathing and um, intentional breathing because I think it makes a big difference and is helping a lot. So thank you for asking. How about you? Um, you know, I, it is weirdly different. I, you know, I, I had time to digest the bits I missed when we, I mean, I deliberately didn't read yours till they first came out. And the first time I heard them was when you when we were making the the, the videos but I've I've had a long I've had three years to digest this and talk about it and talk about similar um, circumstances with both of my AA groups so I found more of a peace than you have because I you haven't really discussed it with a lot of people at all that's true yeah and, and really um, nobody who could say to me, boy, I've been there. Uh, certainly now, now that we've launched this, I am discovering that I have the possibility and the potential to be that for other people. Um, I think one of the things that keeps, we keep referencing is just the incredible outpouring of people writing to share their own stories, to say how grateful they are to um, hear this story being articulated by someone else because it's giving them permission or freedom or opportunity or um, the, the, it's, it's making them brave enough to also come out and talk about it. So um, I feel really privileged to be in that position of potentially doing that for other people. I also feel really, really overwhelmed by it because A, I know nothing, you know, I have one experience now with this. Um, so I don't feel at all qualified to certainly provide any advice or uh, suggestions for people. I, I'm only marginally less naive today than I was at the very beginning of this process three plus years ago. 
but I, I do feel like I have a opportunity to, if nothing else, be a listening ear. Um, somebody earlier this week said to me that maybe the lesson in all of this for me is to just listen. And that really struck me as something profound because I don't think I'm a great listener. I think my brain works fast. I always have 10 solutions to everything. And so uh, here's the promise that I can make to those of you I'm scheduled to meet for coffee or walks with or whatever we're doing. I will work very, very hard to just listen um, and, and share additional pieces of this story where it makes sense, but it's not my job or my ability really to provide uh, ex- um, much help because I, I am so limited in what I know about this still all these years later, all these years later. So it's an interesting, heavy privilege that I feel like we have invited into our lives and I don't think we take it lightly. We don't. Same as me. I mean, to quote the beginning of every AA meeting, whoever chairs the meeting, the only qualification you have is that you are a member of Alcohol Alcohol Anonymous and you are an alcoholic. And that's the same with me. I have no qualifications to talk about this. We're just talking about our experience. And they are different. Ours is an interesting one because it's full of hope. And there, there can be an awful lot of hope living with this disease. So this is still a powerful message. Um, Dana, just you, you just mentioned talking about listening. Uh, I didn't say almost, I almost said nothing the first year I was going to AA meetings because I had to listen. Because for years I didn't listen to anyone. And that is a huge step hopefully listening to this or well I th- listening to this has helped um, a former student of mine reached out to me this weekend and I'm taking him to his first AA meeting on Friday so he's hopefully going to start listening so you know this is this is a good indication that we're doing something useful with this yeah that moves me to tears that email was so um, plaintive and so desperate. I I don't know this person, but I'm sure proud of him because, wow, that was a brave email to send you. Yes, it was. So uh, we have a number of things to talk about. Um, so we have some fun shout outs yes. from this week. Um, the movie show with Joel and Ryan did a big thing on us. So Joel and Ryan and I went to college together. Ryan was my first friend in college and Joel and his now wife, Jen came the next year and, uh, Ryan and Joel and Jen live not together. I mean, Joel and Jen do, but in the cities and do interesting acting and, casting work and all sorts of things still utilizing the theater degrees that we had and they've got this great podcast where they talk through all kinds of really 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 detailed 
movie conversations because they both are, I, I don't think it's an overstatement to say obsessed with movies. So uh, check out their podcast, The Movie Show with Ryan, with Joel and Ryan. Um, but they gave us a great shout out this week. So thanks so much, guys. Yes, um, thank you. I love that you're listening. It means so much to both of us and that you bother to share with your audience that our podcast was worth listening to. So we're returning the favor. Uh, so that's one. I got to pull up my phone so I can find these other pieces. Lana Whiting, who uh, did some really important content copy editing for us before we even started the videos after we had written the posts just to make sure that they were clear and readable for the audience. Lana runs lana.co. And this month we are the official lana.co monthly award of excellence given to extraordinary extraordinary that came out today on Facebook. So that's super fun. Lana, thanks so much for your help. You were hugely important along with Jay Evans and Patrick Kirby in terms of helping us produce this whole series of stuff and making it as tight and as um, ready for production as possible. So thanks for that. I think it was actually tough on the two of them to listen to it too when they were putting this together for us. Yeah, Patrick and Jay, I don't think any of us expected that to go the direction that it went. Um, our third thank you is to Jim Shaw, who was guest hosting on KFGO last week and invited us on Friday morning in the 8.30 half hour to talk about this based on Emma's, um, Emma, I have no idea how to say your last name from the forum. I know it starts with a V, um, so I'm not even going to try it. But Emma's great forum article, which well, came out the first week of our uh, launch of the podcast, Jim had us on. So Jim, thanks so much for having us on the show yeah, and giving you. us another platform, another audience to reach. And our final thank you for the week is North Dakota's First Lady, Catherine Burgum shared our forum story on her page and on Recovery Reinvented, which is the major platform that she has adopted as First Lady of our state as a um, addict enjoying sobriety herself. So um, part of how we got launched with this idea in the first place when we started talking about it last year was that I had been to the Main Street Initiative with Governor Burgum and First Lady Burgum had invited the um, uh, Surgeon General from the United States to come because he has a brother who's an addict. And so he came and talked about Narcan and how it, it affects all kinds of families and how you can't judge you can't judge someone for this because it doesn't understand class or race or gender or socioeconomic status. Addiction can affect all of us. Um, and I was so moved by his talk, by her honesty, by her taking this very public platform that she has as first lady of our state and making this her uh, initiative. So thank you so much for sharing it this past week. Um, I just know that the more people who see it, the more opportunities there are for someone to, uh, someone who needs it to find it and for it to hopefully be a beacon of hope or a lifeline or a starting point for one or many people. So thank you to all of you for uh, finding ways to lift this up and make sure it's as, it's as strong and powerful and far reaching as possible. Do you have anything you want to say? 
No, just really thank you. I'm kind of a bit overwhelmed when you, when you wrote them all down, the read them off. It's been, uh, I continue to be amazed by this, the, the, the feedback we're getting. Um, I mentioned on the radio show, I got a, a fantastic message from one of my sponsors who told me I was doing a fantastic job and to keep it up. So that meant a lot to me too. So it's been it's been uh, it's been on quite a ride so far. I'm kind of halfway there. Yeah, well, this this post four C starts the back half now of these twenty seven posts. So we are halfway through and making our way down the uh, back end of the hill. Um, you know what has been really interesting for me because I am. Because of the nature of my day job, I'm out and about just more than you are because you're primarily on your campus. The number of people who are now coming up to me to tell me that they know you um, through one of your AA groups, excuse me. Um, so a man stopped me the other day and said, <laughs> I know Maz. And I said, you do? And he said, yeah, we bowl together Saturday mornings. And he winked at me. And um, it just, I'm getting all kinds of comments like that. And I feel like one of the things that's so joyful about that is he didn't come up to me and say it under his breath. He didn't sort of bashfully introduce himself to me. He proudly introduced himself to me loudly in this very public place. And while the word alcoholic or Alcoholics Anonymous was not uttered, um, we also didn't shy away from it. So what if for, for you and me stepping out of this secret and into the realm where we are just open about this, what if it allows other people to do that too? Because I think the thing that we both know is very true is that shame drives a lot of what keeps people in a state of addiction versus a state of seeking help and uh, families in a state of despair or chaos or danger or whatever, wherever they are in the addict addiction journey, it keeps them there instead of finding hope and help. So I just, it's been really amazing. And I continue to be moved deeply by the people who I, wouldn't ever likely encounter any other way who reach out to me because they know you through an AA group or they've read something or they've listened to something. It's It's been just incredible. And I know we say that every week, but it's because the momentum just keeps going. We're not hearing fewer things. We're hearing more things. Almost 20,000 people have, almost 20,000 views have come to the website. So it means a lot of people are experiencing our story, Dr. Mary. Yeah. Way to be public, sir. Way to step into my realm <laughs> well, so comfortably. I'm, I'm still, I still think I'm standing on the fringes. I wouldn't say I'm walking the red carpet with you yet. <laughs> no, but I like that. Oh, I think I could do that. You could, you could, and we will. Absolutely. Okay. Or maybe someone will like us to do a, a, a duet TED talk somewhere. Oh, that would be good. We so, would do a duet TED talk, or for Americans, a duet yes yes thank you somewhere warm please because we live in north dakota 
Yeah, somewhere in the southern climes would be super. Hawaii would be awesome. <gasps> Ooh, Hawaii. Any Hawaiians listening who organize TEDx talks, we could fit this around almost any oh, theme. Oh, Atlanta, uh, Antarctica. I'd, I'd like to go to Antarctica. Uh, slightly less warm smaller, than Hawaii. Smaller, smaller audience. Smaller audience. Which is talking to 2,000 scientists. <laughs> And 12 penguins. <laughs> yes. Well, all right. I would go there to do this as well. Um, so a couple of interesting things I want to talk Actually, about. Actually, you know what? Week. Sanford. Maybe Sanford might want us to come and give a talk. It's a disease. Sanford's a hospital. How's that? <laughs> Not tropical or South Pole, but infinitely easier to drive to. Uh, and probably we leave of more use. Really. We wouldn't really have to get a babysitter for the dog, so that would be good. Uh, I did go back and listen to last week's interview. You absolutely could hear the dog chomping yes. on her bone. I apologize again. Um. So I have two things I really want to talk about tonight. One is a friend of mine came up to me and said that uh, he's been listening to the podcasts and reading and watching and in, enjoying it. Again, air quote, enjoying. That's a weird word to use for it. But he said that he and his wife had a conversation this week and she pointed out to him a number of uh, criticisms. And one of them was that he is absolutely cell phone addicted. So he told me that he has started thinking about his cell phone differently because he has been following our journey. And he has realized that his equivalent to alcohol is his phone. So he is endeavoring to put the phone down more and more and more and be more present in his actual family life or his work life or whatever piece of life he's uh, experiencing in the moment because he doesn't want it to control him. He wants to be in control of it. So I was telling you about this and you said that technically it's not an addiction. Well, let's not use the word technically. I, I, I wouldn't. Well, I'm going to backtrack a second here. I said a few minutes ago, The only qualification I have to talk about this is that I am a member, as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and I am an alcoholic. It's the disease of addiction. And I know you can be addicted to things. People can be addicted to drugs. I know some people in my AA groups are addict alcoholics or alcoholic addicts. Um, I, gambling is an addiction. I don't want to be the person to go on record and saying you can be addicted to your phone. You probably can, but I don't. I'm not qualified to say if that's an addiction. It isn't an obsession. I just wanted to. Why does it matter? Because I don't want to be called out because I am my only qualification to talk about this again. But but if I say to you I'm addicted to my cell phone or I'm obsessed with my cell phone, why why do we need to make a distinction? Oh, just to be correct. But you just finished saying you can't define the correction. I know but I don't want to be caught up as wrong for this one. I think they might be the same, but again, I'm not an expert. Okay. So you're really not making a point because before we started recording, you sort of, yeah, I, I want to I figure this out because I think that if addiction is a science, science term, or a medical term or something that you have to ingest to be addicted to that I just don't understand. I just want to make sure I'm not 
using it incorrectly. Yeah, see, I don't know either. I would most likely think that you can it, it is you you can be addicted to your cell phone but i'm not 100 sure so i you know okay is it an addiction is it an obsession what what is the difference i mean is there a difference i don't actually know um well i obviously don't either i will tell you i think i'm addicted to my cell phone if i don't have my cell phone with me i i panic the same way you used to insist that we get to a liquor store so yeah, you could buy I, whiskey I actually, when we you, traveled. Used to panic about uh, being you know, have access to, to to whiskey. You know, I feel that way about my phone. Yeah, so I'm, I don't want to call this one. I'm not 100 sure. So addiction is defined as the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. Yeah, okay then. Yeah. I guess that takes care of it. An obsession to me is more something you are passionate about. An addiction is something that you kind of can't control. I feel like often my phone controls me or my inability to control my phone use controls me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just thought it was a really interesting point you made. It is, but you know, I didn't I just wait, put it this way. I don't want to upset anyone because I just know you know, do you see many people really going cold turkey or having psychotic breaks if they can't get to a cell phone as opposed to people that go through withdrawal? Uh, no, you don't. See, that's what I want to but base I, that one on. But I think that's only because at the cellular, cellular level, I don't need my cell phone. I mean, the only reason I can even have this conversation is because Susan... My nurse who gave, your nurse who gave me the journal, oh, explained to me sort of what was happening to you in when you went into these delirium, this delirium tremor phase. So my cells don't feel like they're starving if I don't have my cell phone with me, but my brain panics. Hmm. So I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that there is an equal level of addiction because it's not cellular but i think there is an equal mental addiction possibly and i also want to be careful and not make yeah, broad it be, statements yeah, it would be interesting to see if any, you know if anyone's got any comments on this i mean i don't i i, I don't want to say one way or the other because again i'm not i'm not a, an addiction counselor i am someone who suffers from addiction and i don't know all the answers and one of my counselors will be very proud of me for saying that. <laughs> and don't want to be a spoiler alert, but we'll be talking about this fantastic counselor of mine um, later on. But um, I, owe, I owe Joanne a lot. And if you are listening, I have for three years, I've never put but in a sentence. I haven't been making lame excuses for anything. That's mostly true, Joanne. Um, so, yeah, I would say weigh in on this. Is, a, is an addiction to a cell phone the equivalent to an addiction to a substance? I think this is an interesting conversation. Uh, I think there's lots of right answers, and I think everybody's perspective probably has some value. Most of all, actual people who claim a real addiction, as opposed to just saying, oh yeah, I'm addicted to my cell phone, which is an easy throwaway thing to say. 
It might be true, but it's not the same kind of thing. All right. So that was the first thing I wanted to talk about. The second thing I wanted to talk about was just this. um, I wanted to follow up on what I said at the end of you reading your blog post from this week, because you made it sound like um, we had this kind of pleasant one-time conversation about rehab and that I said, boy, you know what? I think you should do inpatient. And you said, you know what, Dee, I think you're right. And then that happened. Um, That's not at all what happened, Dr. Mary. And I'm curious to know how much of this you really remember. I would expect you to remember quite a bit, but I don't know that. Yes, sir. (laughs) Dude, we've gone so far now. We may as well just go whole hog. The only thing I truly, honestly remember was you and I, you were sitting on a bench by the an elevator and I, I was talking to you and I think you said something like, this won't work if you think you can do this part-time. And that's the only real, it's the only thing I can think, only thing I think of as a memory. I, I, I don't remember when I said, yeah, let's go, let's go be an inpatient at Prairie St. John. I don't remember when I decided to do that. I just remember that we were doing it and I actually felt like it was a good idea. So whatever happened then, I don't quite remember. So um, I don't exactly remember that instance. I don't remember sitting on a bench by an elevator. Um, Here's what I can tell you. On February 14th, we, I had a meeting in the morning and in the middle of the meeting, I felt my throat start to do that thing it does where it gets spongy and feels like you've swallowed glass. I even know who the meeting was with, but I never heard that he got sick afterwards. So I'm not going to say who it was with because I remember shaking his hand and thinking, this is a very poor idea. I'm going to get this man sick. Anyway, I had that meeting and then uh, we had a ribbon cutting with the Chamber of Commerce at APT, the new art incubator that we were opening. And I wanted to die. I was so sick. Um, And I feel like all the pictures of that day are a real testament to what a great actor I must be because you can't tell that I just want to curl up in the corner and give it up. So I went back to your hotel or your hotel room, your hospital room. And by that point, I was in really rough shape that whatever I got hit me really hard. Um, And you said to me, uh, it's time to start talking about rehab and I want to do day release or something. I want to go back to work and I want to go at night. And I remember thinking, you got to keep it together here a little bit, Dana, because you're so sick. You're going to be irrational about this conversation. 
So I tried to take a minute and kind of gather myself. And I just said to you, you, you can't possibly make that work. So that was kind of the first conversation and it went on a little bit. And then the next day I came back and felt worse. And, um, you were really determined to go back to work, which I understood you'd already been out of work for two weeks at this point. I understood you wanted to get back to work, but I also knew without knowing that there was no way you were going to come home and not start drinking again. I mean, I just, I don't know why or how I knew that, but I just, it was very clear to me that you had no sense well, of being I, an alcoholic. I couldn't actually tell you at that moment if I, you know, if I, if that would have been the case, would I have, I don't know. But I think why I wanted to go back to work is because I never drank there. And I thought if I could get into that, environment I wouldn't drink during the day and then if I went at night I'd be doing something where I wouldn't be drinking and now that I say all that out loud it makes no sense and that's like, funny because I've never heard you say that before no. and it makes some sense to me yeah but it, it wouldn't have worked no I, maybe it hindsight have. I just well it just no it wouldn't have it was a dumb idea I'm glad we didn't go that route 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 whatever direction yeah, it wouldn't have worked. No. So maybe I did. I did. Um, I did get the censorship on. <laughs> yeah, I went. Well, I went, you, you I gave went the to, Disney version. I gave the Disney version. And I want to give like the Stephen King version or the whatever. Long, long story short, um, one of the hardest things about this whole experience leading up to you finally admitting that you were an alcoholic. So years of experience we're talking about was this idea that you are so smart and you understood how to manipulate all the situations I could present to you, all of the scenarios, all of the environments that I laid out for you about why you were drinking too much for years you could manipulate. You know, I think I did that without even really listening. I think it was just well, a set response that I wasn't even thinking. One of the things that I'm incredibly curious about is that a number of, and it happens to mostly all be women, women who have written to me to tell me how much this story resonates with them are all saying the same thing about their spouses or their fathers or their brothers. So I'm so curious, how do you all do that? What happens in your brains you do, you, that you all become chronic liars and incredible manipulators? It's a symptom of the disease. It really is. Because I have no, I have really got no idea. I have absolutely no idea. But a friend of ours, um, he, we, we mentioned his post when he said we're doing a great thing. He mentioned the fact that you know, F, you know, MDs, mm. PhDs, maybe we're better liars. I, no idea, but it does something weird to your brain and your personality, personality, and it, it does. Well, the addiction it does. It, it starts in your, I get sciencey here. 
Mm, keep it brief. It's it's well your pleasure centre or your ventral tagmental region of your brain. There's a nucleus accumbens, which is a, a a major neuron that sends signals to your frontal cortex. And if you're addicted, that's the part of your brain that gets affected, and it rewrites your frontal cortex, which is you. That is the part of the brain that's you, and it just behavioural responses. Um, Uh, interests, how you act in society, it all changes. And I think that might be the stock answer. I can talk my way out of this. I am never wrong. I There's nothing wrong with me. It's It seems to be consistent with everyone I've ever talked to about being suffering from this disease of addiction. We all do it. And when we all sit around and go, why do we, we, we haven't a clue. Yeah, it's astonishing. Wait, you know, the, the, when did you start? When did you realize you were an, an, an alcoholic? And when did you start realizing you were lying about everything? I mean, it's... Yeah. It's amazing. I, I am just endlessly fascinated by it. Um, and we'll say, I think, of all of the hard pieces to being a spouse of an addict uh, it might be the hardest because it's like trying to fight um, with a, a, a hurricane wind you can't put your arms around it you can't stop it you can't direct it you can't convince it. You can't do anything with it. It just comes at you over and over and over again from every angle and it washes over you and it lifts you up from underneath and it hits you from the side and sneaks up from behind. And it's just, it, it, it is exhausting and infuriating and I'm still probably angry about how unable I ever was to win the argument that you were drinking too much because I was never wrong and I never ever got to win even when I thought I had won, even when you would say to me, you're right, I have to slow down, I'm going to do better. Initially, when you first started saying that to me, I thought I'd made headway and that you were seeing some sense and that we were going to see progress. But then I began to realize you had figured out that that was the quickest way to yeah, get I, me to stop. It's terrible. It's what, you know, It your personality does... This disease does horrible things to your personality, really. I, it's the trouble with a, a lie that you say to yourself so much, it actually feels like the truth. So when I was saying all this stuff, I probably didn't even think I was lying, because to me it was the truth. It's another disturbing aspect of this disease. No matter what you're addicted to, it's, it's you become a chronic liar, which is terrible yeah 
I mean, I remember a, year, a couple of years ago, I was at an AA meeting and someone said, in, in, when we had the open discussion bits, I said, well, how do you come back from people thinking, you know, you're a liar? And I said, well, you know, people said, well, you've got to give it time. You were the liar. You, you, one of the problems with this disease is you have to take stock of what you did. What you did. It's your responsibility. It's part of living with it because we do hurt other people. We don't mean to. We're victims of a disease, but it still doesn't make it any easier for the people that were around you at the time. You know, that's why one of the things is you have to make amends. If you can't, you can't hide in fear. You have to, it's a lot of things that you have to do is just face them head on and take responsibility. It just, you just have to. I mean, you know, it's been mentioned to me that I, I, I seem to be more confident in the last three years. Yeah, because I am actually healthier and incredibly happier I'm, I'm actually proud it's not a conceit either if you, if you can successfully live with this disease day by day you should feel proud of what you're doing and maybe I do walk a little taller but you know on some level I think I've earned it it does sound conceitful now, but you, you know what I'm trying to say I do know what you're trying to say and it doesn't sound it doesn't sound. I don't think conceitful is a word, but Probably conceited. Conceited I think is, is actually a word. For. <laughs> I'd like to scream out in regardless right now, just to prove a point. But I'm not going to bother. I really prefer that you're not. <laughs> I seen you do. I seen that coming. Did you? <laughs> nice. Um, I I want to raise one more point that I think has the potential to be contentious, and I'm not trying to create an argument here, but I have a little struggle with the idea of what you said earlier and exactly what you said has a little bit left me, but this idea of, uh, oh, I know, you said we are victims of this disease. That's, that is sometimes hard for me to accept. I know what you mean. Because you you come from a historical family of drinkers. Your immediate family are not drinkers. Your dad wasn't at all. Your mother, very, very little. Your sister, very, very little. Um, some of your aunts and uncles, minimally. But you have a long family history. You have a long cultural yeah. history of alcohol being a problem. Um, so did you honestly, I mean, how do you honestly say then I'm a complete victim? So I have an aunt on my, can I just finish this? Yeah. I have an aunt on my dad's side, my aunt, my youngest aunt, who was incredibly healthy and died of all kinds of terrible cancers. Or my stepdad who never smoked a day in his life and died of esophageal cancer. They feel like victims to me. They didn't do anything to start that process other than just draw a short uh, stick in the realm of your claim that one in three people carry the genetic disposition for cancer and their their marker it's turned on. It's a, it's a, it's a science fact, whatever. Facts, claims, it's just science. Okay. Ha -ha, you know I'm kidding. Um, but how do you... Can you help me... Think about that a little. I'm not trying to be confrontational. No, it's. I think 
what I meant was a, a victim in itself is the, the symptoms also affect you as the individual. You do change as a person. So in that respect, that's what I meant by you're also a victim because mm. your addiction has changed you in your very core. That oh. part of your brain that makes you who you are is different. The lucky ones like me and the very lucky ones like us who can manage to stay together. You were a victim. You were a victim of me. I was a victim of me. And I'm not saying, you know, which one of us was more of a victim. Oh, it's, yeah, it's not a hierarchy. I bet you really, if we sat down and thought about it, I think you were probably worse off because you saw the change and I was completely oblivious to it. Yeah. And I think that must have been harder for you. And that's got to be the same for everyone. The significant other of an addict really just does not have a happy lot to deal with that and then trying to get someone who has changed in front of them to see if they can come back to who they were. It's, you know, it's it's terrible. Yeah. Yes, and you weren't violent. So I didn't, at least I didn't have that piece oh, to contend with, gosh. which is a blessing because I know that's not the case for many, Very many well. people. On the other hand, and I'm, wow, don't hear me saying one's better than the other, but I don't believe I would have stayed had you been violent. Um, so in in that sense, perhaps I would have left earlier and not trudged through it. Uh, but no thank goodness, thank goodness you weren't. For doing that anyway. Yeah, so absolutely. That's, I mean, you, as an addict, you do kind of become a victim. Uh, that's a really really helpful but it's not analogy it's, it's not an out to say oh no 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 i it's not your it is it's it is it is a problem but you are unaware of it so in that respect you actually do become a victim of your own disease which is it which is it's an odd disease yeah it is it really is it's but it's, that's super helpful and i appreciate it because i hesitate to tell an addict that they're not a victim of something. It's not my, I don't feel like it's my business to say that, but I do chafe at it a bit because you did invite it in. Uh, unknowingly, certainly yeah. nobody starts no, out thinking, no wouldn't it be awesome if I became an addict? Yeah, you don't wake up one day and go, tell you what, I'm going to start drinking too much or I'm going to pop one more of these prescription painkillers yeah. and then, you know, suddenly forget a like. You don't, you know, it's not planned. It's it's a terrible circumstance of event. Yeah. <sighs> hmm, this is an interesting conversation. It has. It's, it's a long one. We have to put this in two parts, I, I do believe. I think it ends up sounding like one, but yes. Um, last little note. Uh, one really lovely thing that happened this week is that a number of people wrote letters and sent them in the mail to us. And I just want to tell you how lovely that is to get a letter from someone. Some of you I know well, some of you I hardly know at all. Um, but you took the time to write a handwritten letter. All of the comments have mattered and been, I know, have been very heartfelt. But wow, if you sent a letter, if you put a stamp on an envelope yeah. and found our address and sent us a letter, Thank you. Thank you. This is really lovely and will be part of the collection of all of the 
elements that are are going to be a whole of this process as we keep working our way through it. So um, thanks. I, I hope there are things for you to think about based on this conversation. And more importantly, I hope that there are things for you to comment on either on the blog itself or um, through the social media channels where these are getting posted. Um, because I, I'm, I'd really love to hear your opinions on this idea of can you be addicted to your cell phone? Yeah, like I'd, you're like, addicted I'd like an to, answer to that one myself, actually. And also, you, who'd agree with, you know, are you a victim of your own disease? I'd like to see how that one goes to. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for continuing with us on this journey. Thanks for reaching out. Don't hear me saying that I don't want you to reach out. I do want you to reach out. I want you to know that we honor your stories and we are holding each of you closely knowing that you are on this journey, maybe at a very different place. So we continue to keep you in our thoughts and prayers and um, just appreciate that you've been with us. Dr. Mary? Yes, thank you, everyone. I completely agree with everything Dana says. As you should. (laughs) (laughs) I'm relearning that one. (laughs) All right. We'll talk next week. Bye. Bye.